You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On today's episode, we are talking about God's enduring and unchanging word. It's really as simple as that, but we had a lot to discuss here, so we'll get right into the episode. The first sound people hear will be a page turning in the Bible. That's a good thing. Is it, it feels That's like Rush thing. Limbaugh a little oh, bit. Oh, gosh. So. Here we go. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so I have a... I'm hopefully a little less obnoxious, but I don't have that voice. If I had that voice, that would be better. At least you have a voice. I do. That's better than Sunday. <laughs> so I have a little bit of a bone to pick with you as we get started here because in the teaser for last week, we suggested <laughs> that... Uh, we didn't know what we were talking about. No, we suggested that uh, this was going to be... Many a, people have suggested I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that this this uh, message was going to be maybe a little complicated or a little bit confusing. And then I'm sitting there on Sunday. I was like, well, that was pretty straightforward. <laughs> so let's get into that because it, it is, you know, I, I get how you can probably read this a thousand times and it doesn't make sense. But when you... The way you broke it down, so kudos to you on Sunday, made it very simple and easy and, like I said, straightforward and doesn't make it easy to follow all the time. And I'm currently struggling with this myself. But uh, if we want to give a quick summation of uh, the message, we can start there. Sure. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that you felt that way because I felt like perhaps I didn't communicate well on Sunday. I don't think that way about many things. may have made it uh, less clear than it should have been. But, you know, we were talking about this before we began the podcast, that um, when when we really get serious about the principles of Bible study and, and digging and discovering and understanding the context and the structure and uh, finding the main idea and intended result within the intended response within those things, then things that are unclear become much more clear. And right. uh, one of the things um, I, I mentioned, my most exciting thing about what we have going on at church right now is our Wednesday night Bible study, where we are working through these dig and discover principles and unabashedly stealing these principles from Leadership Resources International. Highly recommend LRI. And if <laughs> Highly recommend Steve. <laughs> no, but if anybody is uh, looking for a ministry to support that has a, a huge deep, meaningful impact, uh, both both uh, domestically and internationally, I strongly recommend uh, LRI. Um, and if, if anybody would like more information about them, uh, they can contact us here at the podcast. They can email here, and, and I'll be happy to connect them with that. But um, fantastic group uh, in teaching pastors how to study the Bible. And internationally, there are a lot of spirit-filled, gifted, committed pastors who do not have access to the training that we have here in the West. Mm. Uh, particularly, we see these types of things taking place in the Middle East and in, in mm. other uh, countries where um, where Christianity is restricted. In fact, some of their leadership things they can't—they don't even give the names to each other. They don't even know one another's names for security purposes, so that mm. nobody can be uh, sold out or tortured or whatever. It, it's a, it's a really astonishing to think about the fact that people are living in that world, but because yeah. they don't have access to seminaries and they don't have access access to legitimate Bible training, it's really important for those of us who do to be able to to help pastors 
learn how to study the Bible legitimately. And uh, as we've been doing this with, with our lay people here on Wednesday nights, um, we have a, a span of folks from, you know, around, you know, close to 80 years old or about 80 years old down to, I think, 34 or so is our, our youngest. A big spread of people with all different Bible backgrounds from different denominations, some with no Bible background at all. And as we were going through this, we have people who have been in the faith and in the church actively serving for 40 years, never seen these principles. And mm-hmm. so to be able to work through how to study the Bible rightly, to, to get not to what does our doctrine teach us we should see in the Bible, but what does the Bible teach us we should have in our doctrine, to be able to get to a place where, where we're understanding what God intended for the author to say and what the author intended for us to see. Uh, for for their original audiences, and then to translate that to us, so that we're not trying to just pick and choose verses that are inspirational or whatever else. And one of the things that we that we are really pushing there is to just continually read the text, study it, yes. But in addition to trying to break it down, just read it through, continue to read it through. And and one of the things that um, is interesting to me and uh, a pastor friend, Don Denyes from South Church in Lansing. Um, really promoted this. Uh, I mentioned to you, he, he really recommends listening to audio versions of the Bible mm-hmm. or hearing it read aloud because it changes how it connects with our brain. Same text, but it hits us differently. Um, and, and I recommend reading in different translations to, to be able to see the different nuances that come out with different English renderings of a particular word. But the more times we read it, you know, we might read it 30 times and it isn't until that 30th time that a pattern will, will emerge that we'll, we'll see and it just pops right. out. It's like, oh, wait, how did I miss that before? And a lot of that happened with me with, with Luke 16, um, both in what we saw last week with the parable of the shrewd manager, as the NIV uh, calls that, um, and, and even going into now this idea of um, <laughs> six. 16, verse 16 has been a struggle for me where it says that uh, the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, I just always had a really difficult time comprehending that verse. Um, and I'd seen that's some a, of the takes on it from... The from, imagery of that is kind of... Right. It, and, and so I'd heard it portrayed accurately, but it just I couldn't quite make it connect because I was so used to seeing it a particular way. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get past my framework to be able to see what the text is getting at. And um, some of the other translations helped in, in understanding. But, but as I continued to read it and reread it and reread it and reread it, we got to a place where, um, or I got to a place personally, where I began to see the patterns emerge that I was missing before. And I began to, to feel the flow of this context in a way that I didn't catch before. And so then, by the time we get done with it, I'm like, well, that wasn't nearly as complicated as I was making it. And I think that happens with us a lot with Bible study, where yeah. we, we see things with as... With a lot of things. Well, that's extremely <laughs> true in life, um, where things that are not that complicated, right. we make complicated. Right. And, and most of life isn't as complicated as it is hard. Right. It's difficult, yes. but it isn't like, you know, I don't know how to figure this out. It's more like I can figure it out. I just don't like what I have figured out. I right. don't want right. that. That's true with a lot of the scriptural teachings that, that we look at. And it's like Jesus ex- is extremely clear about a lot of things. 
we just don't want to submit to that because we don't like the way so it So let's feels. make it more complicated until we get to a point where we right. can stomach it. So we can explain it away. Right. And, and that actually happens a lot when we, when we start to get into false teaching. What we end up doing, and you can watch this pattern. If you watch the, the, the current headlines, you watch the news, you watch, try not. How, watch how people are handling uh, the moral revolution within the church. And, and you know, I don't know how much I've ranted about it in our podcast, but you know I've ranted about this a lot. My beef is not with the sinner as much as with those who promote the sin, which actually is what we'll see uh, in part of next week's sermon. But um, Stay tuned. Yeah, it's a little teaser. But the, the idea that we as church leaders, as preachers and teachers, and those who, who uh, presume to teach, we are far too often trying to justify what we want with Scripture mm-hmm. rather than trying to conform our lives to the pattern that Scripture gives us. Right. And that troubles me greatly. I get really very bothered. I, I, I don't have an issue with, uh, with individuals who are um, dealing with homosexual uh, tendencies or, or, or struggles or even caught in that lifestyle. I have a real problem, like it, I am actually livid when I think about it, when I think of pastors who will take clear teaching of scriptures and deliberately convolute it to make it something that it isn't so that we can teach something that isn't true, that is not helpful to the person in a particular sin, whether it's homosexuality or anything else. When, when somebody's in a sin, they're in a sin. I am you. The hot topic of the moment. It is the hot topic of the moment, and it's where the scripture are being attacked right Right. now more than any place else. So when we continue to uh, to develop our own set of rules that makes the scripture into what we want it to be, rather than making ourselves into what the scripture says, then we are doing people a disservice. We call it love, but it is exactly the opposite of love. It's harmful to people. And uh, in fact, Jesus will say that in, in chapter 17, that temptation is going to come. It's all, Stay there's, tuned. There's always going to be temptation. Right. That does not make it okay for you to be the one doing the tempting. That's never going to be good. And so when we as Christians, as Christ followers, and especially as, as uh, pastors, teachers, theologians, other leaders, when we change the Bible, when we water it down by making it complicated— so that we can hide behind our education and our degrees rather than realizing that God wrote his word for common people, by common people, so that common people could understand who he is and get it out of the hands of just the powerful, then if we don't get that, if we miss that, then we end up doing all the things that are condemned in Scripture and missing out on what he's actually telling us. So... That's a whole lot of talking, Keep it and simple, we're stupid. we're like you know a third of the way through the podcast here, and I haven't gotten to the beginning yet. So it's thank a very you. good place to start. Thank you for indulging my my rant there. I dehydrated myself in the process. So <laughs> <clears throat> anyhow, so, so we're in in Luke chapter sixteen. And, coffee and, will dehydrate you more. Well, that's why I have water. Oh, so um, in disguise. <laughs> yes, it's a coffee cup, but it is water that I am drinking. I have been duped. Um. Very often on Sunday mornings, I'll be up there with a coffee cup, and people probably think I'm drinking coffee during the sermon. It's just a cup. What would be wrong with that? It's the water, not the What would be wrong with that? I would be dehydrated by 10 seconds into it. But you'd be caffeinated. Um, (laughs) So anyway, 
Yeah, because I need caffeine to make me more talkative. In <laughs> chapter 16, we're, uh, till 1 <laughs> we, we, we're continuing the context that started back in 14 and 15. And uh, it really started in 14, but this conversation started in 15. And so we're moving forward. Jesus is talking to his disciples now uh, in chapter 16. And we saw that parable of the shrewd manager where um, we discovered and, and worked through the fact that God gives us resources for the purpose of building his kingdom. And our job then is to get our priorities in line with his, our mm -hmm. values, our agenda in line with his. And when we're not doing that, then we are worthless and we will be destroyed and eliminated. No big deal. Yeah, it's, it, it's kind of you know, common sense when we think about it, but it sounds horrible to us because we think, oh, God's just all loving all the time. And, right. And, and he is love, however... Love ain't always... What you think it is. Yeah, he is. I mean, I mean he know. is love. He is the definition of love, not he conforms to whatever definition we right. give to it. Right. So, anyway, um, in, in verse 14 of chapter 16, the Pharisees who have been you know, listening into what he's telling his disciples, they're, uh, they're griping about it, they're sneering at Jesus, you know, and then he rebukes them in 15. And there's an unfortunate break in, in the NIV as far as uh, an added um, section heading hmm. because they really don't know what to do with it, which made me feel better because if I struggled well, with it, it's good to know to that right. these very highly educated um, folks have, have struggled as well. I have a heading on there. Yeah. Well, and, and that's really almost what it is. And I don't, I don't mean to, to yeah. downplay this or, or, or in any way to denigrate the work that they're doing. It is difficult to find a, a universally acceptable place to put headings and so on. But adding these headings in has been very helpful for people studying the word who you know, are looking for ways to, easier ways to find it. That's why we have chapters and verses. That wasn't there. But all of this stuff that is helpful for us in, in um, using the scriptures can also sometimes be a little misleading. And, and perhaps that's part of what had caused me confusion is I was allowing myself to be thrown off by headings. Right. So what happens here is in 15, he begins to re rebuke them, rebukes them for their love of money, their their love of external things, and uh, turning God's resources from tools into idols. But then he continues with this teaching, and what's easy to miss because of this this artificial division here is that it's, it's a continuing thing. There's no break here in the original, so it continues to, to work through. After they sneer at Jesus about the money issue, he said to them, uh, 16, 15 and following, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the, la the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Anyone who divorces his wife, marries another woman, commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And then he goes into this parable about this, this rich guy uh, and, and this poor man named Lazarus. And as we see that as a whole, the, par the parable is like punctuating this rebuke. He's, punctu he's making this point clear. He's illustrating this point with the parable. Um, so what's the point? And as we kind of look at, at how he's rebuking them, it's still flowing out of the, the larger natural conversation about 
God's values versus our values. Mm-hmm. And so in 15, he talks about how God uh, prioritizes and values seeking and saving that which is lost. Right. A th- big theme for the book of Luke. But he gives three parables in 15 that, that establish it. Here's God's heart of compassion for the lost. Then in 16, it kind of flips a little bit. And uh, and as he's talking now, not to the crowd or to the Pharisees, but to his own disciples, uh, he's kind of giving them this picture of being purposeful and intentional that, um, you know, we talk about this manager here that uh, wastes his master's possessions or his assets, gets fired. Then finally, after all that, starts to think about, okay, what kind of wise business practices can I use to get myself set up for the future right. or I'm going to be in trouble? So he basically cheats his manager but blesses his customers. The customers are, are happy so that... Now, his hope is that they'll be able to welcome him later on when he's out of a job. Mm-hmm. His master, who just fired him for squandering his stuff, he actually commends him for being intentional, for being strategic, and probably thinking, man, if you'd have done this before, right, we'd all lost your job. Right, we'd be in a great spot. So Jesus uses that ungodly contrast to show us as his disciples, how we need to live intentionally, purposefully, strategically. Uh, and that was the idea that that God gives us resources to use for his kingdom. Not for us. That's embezzlement. Not to swindle people. And not, not to cheat, not to, to do uh, dastardly deeds, but to, but to build the kingdom, to establish relationships, to be winsome in the way we handle our, our um, resources, in the way we wield our wealth. And as we do that, then we have the opportunity to draw people in, to, mm-hmm. to use those resources for good so that people see God for who he is mm-hmm. and are able to enter into those relationships that, that last into eternity. So the Pharisees still aren't getting that. Out of that context, then, he goes into this teaching about you know, the law and the prophets. The Pharisees are big on the law and the prophets, right? So they're all about... you know. The legal aspect of it, getting all the uh, the check marks done, and and he says, okay, so up until John, that that was your guiding. Now John brought in the gospel of the kingdom, which is Jesus, and he and he proclaimed that. And where where the NIV renders that everyone is forcing his way into it, uh, others I think the ESV might say everyone is pressing into it. There are a couple of other renderings that give that idea. So so it's not that people are you know, entering God's kingdom because they're forcing their way. But everybody's pressing, trying to get in. That's why the crowds are following Jesus. People want desperately for this kingdom offer that's there. Um, But just like the Pharisees, different manifestation of it, they're looking for an easier path. People in general want God. We're created with that desire, with that need in us, um, Solomon said that God has set eternity in our hearts, but we can't fathom what God's doing from beginning to end. So we want God. It's been said that we have a God-shaped hole that can only be filled with him. Makes sense, it fits, it's logical, and it's very biblical. But God doesn't change when the kingdom begins to be preached. All of the law and the prophets, which is this is one of the things that they're accusing him of as being lawless, all of the law, all of the Old Testament commands still apply. All of the things that God said, they all still apply. Even today, 
the the law that was in place is still in effect to do what the law was intended to do. So therefore, the ceremonial law that was just for Israel that, that was pointing to Messiah is fulfilled in Messiah. So those things no longer apply. But if we reject Messiah, then we don't have any other option. If, if we throw away the law and we don't have the one who fulfilled the law, we still have a problem. Right. But the universal and moral laws of God have never changed and never will. Those things are, are beyond. They're bigger. The, thing, the parts of the law that related to Israel's civil government that applied specifically to Israel's civil government, just like Michigan's seatbelt law doesn't apply in Illinois and it doesn't apply to apple picking. It applies to driving in a car you know, and wearing a seatbelt. So we sometimes will be illogical in how we try to criticize the scriptures and say, well, you know, what about this law? What about that law? Well, why don't you actually read it, pay attention to what we're talking about. You're complaining about a seatbelt law while you're picking apples. That's not relevant. They're not, not even connected. So the civil law and the ceremonial law either don't apply because we're not them, so it doesn't govern us, or it is fulfilled in Messiah because it was pointing toward Messiah. But the universal law of God, the moral law, the, the things that don't change, that come before there was an Israel and will last until the new creation, <clears throat> not one bit of that has changed, which leaves us in a real problem because that doesn't make it easier. The kingdom, when Jesus came to offer us salvation, it he didn't undo the law. Right. And he makes... a a lot of effort to make sure that we see that when he says that it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away for the entire physical world to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen the the idea is a, a small little punctuation mark in the, in the language for the least bit of this to to drop out of the law so with that in mind as we <clears throat> excuse me as we go into what uh, he draws out in the parable, it left us with the idea that the gospel offers grace, not shortcuts. That that um, it's not that, boy, look at the kingdom. This is so much easier. Jesus is my buddy. You know, he's my homeboy. Let's you know, let's just all get along, and <clears throat> we can live however we want to live because he's offered us this free pass. Mm -hmm. It's not that at all. And if we're thinking that, then we don't know him. We don't have a connection with him. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, now this is two podcasts, two weeks in a row that uh, my throat starts to clog I up. I figure if we keep bassing it back and forth, that'll be. Yeah, so um, John brings it out clearly both in his gospel and in his letters that what Jesus has always said is, if you belong to me, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you actually belong to the Son, then you will do what Jesus told us to do. And mm -hmm. if we don't do that, then we have no claim to be in it. We're deceiving ourselves. Right. So Jesus says no part of this drops out. And then he uses this divorce example. He could have picked a lot of things of the law, but the Pharisees had a lot of rules, and legalists do this a lot. They have a lot of rules that also create a lot of caveats they mm -hmm. have a lot of exceptions a lot of, well right so oh we're going to be super holy about this you're going to tithe the mints in your you know the spices in your cupboard we're going to tithe from that but if your wife burns your breakfast you can divorce her legally and that's okay because she's not fulfilling her purpose and in, in serving you and so on mm. we just totally missed the the point of everything that god's teaching about marriage so those types of distortions that come through legalism actually dumb things down and make it easier by having a checklist. 
Jesus raises the bar, elevates everything. We see that in the Sermon on the Mount in particular. He says, you've heard this, but I'm telling you it's deeper. You've heard don't kill. I'm telling you when you are are unjustly angry, you are murdering in your heart. You've got sin in you when you, you know, you've been told not to commit adultery. That's absolutely true. Don't. But you need to check the roots inside of you. That's a bigger issue. You're already in that sin. Yeah, because you you're not going to do that. You're not going to kill somebody unless it's already in you. You're not just going to walk down the street right. and you know get stabby. Which has always been the point of the law. The law was to restrain evil, but right. but it was a, a reflection of the fact that there's evil in our hearts. And if we don't check the evil in our hearts, then we're not going to be able to correct the evil in our hands. What happens then? Because I think this tends to happen a majority of the time, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, sometimes, and I don't even know if I want to call it evil, but I guess that's what it is. You might think something or feel something or, or whatever that you know is not right. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to act on that. But it's there. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just for a fleeting moment or sure. even if it's just a passing thought. It's there. You know, I'm, let's. You're so somebody's so uh, angry that they want to get violent with someone. They're never going to do it. But they might fantasize right, about it. Right, right. So is that what he's talking about there? Uh, not so much here, but, but in, in the, in, but in the, in the right, Sermon on the Mount, right. for sure, that you, okay, you aren't going to do it externally because there are consequences right. and so on, and you don't want to go to jail and all right. that kind of stuff. Um, so the law has those external consequences to curb the behaviors. But curbing the behavior, it, that's base level. That's societal requirement. That's not enough to impress God because he sees our hearts, mm-hmm. just like he says to the Pharisees here. Right, that's you know, what I'm... Other people see how you behave outside, and they might think you're pious, but God knows your priorities. Right. So you're already making idols of these things. So when we have that anger in our hearts, and, and we, of course, I'm not going to go be violent with somebody, that's socially unacceptable. But in my heart, I'm going to think terrible things. Right. And I might even, I would never do it outwardly, but in my heart, I might rejoice when bad things come to right. them. Uh, I think that's pretty common. And we would never say that. Right. You know, that's, you know, we'd look like terrible people, but we do it. Because we are terrible. <laughs> exactly. And, that, and that's what the entire Old Testament is designed to do. Right. All of the law is to show us who we really are when we think we're somebody special. We think we've got it together. And the more we see God's holy standard, which is exactly what he's saying here, God's holy standard hasn't changed. Right. So the more we see what that standard is, and we see who God is, the more we begin to recognize, oh, man. I really don't have it together. I might have fooled the pastor. Right. I might have, you know, fooled my my mom or my boyfriend or whatever. I but fooled the whole world. Everybody thinks I'm somebody, but God knows who I really am and inside. And then you feel about this big. And that's why people are pressing into the kingdom, right. trying to get in because the law made me feel so bad about mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And, and if I could paraphrase and, and add into what Jesus is saying here from, from the picture we get in other places, that's exactly what we need. Well, I was going to say, should it not? We it, should, need, it should make you feel right. bad about yourself. If, if you are seeing God's law and not feeling bad about yourself, then you're missing it. Right. And that's the first thing Isaiah sees in, in, in Isaiah 6. He has this vision of God's majesty and glory. And the first thing that happens is, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm dead. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm dead. I've just seen the living God, and right. I know I'm a sinner. And if I didn't know it before, I know it now because I'm in the presence of glory. Mm-hmm. And woe to me, I'm ruined. 
And then when his well, sin terrifying. is taken away by God, not him, but right, God taking right. his sin away, then he's overwhelmed with joy and wants to act on that joy. Right. And that's where faith turns into walking it out. Right. So Jesus here is saying, look, the gospel, the, the kingdom preaching that John brought, that Jesus is doing, it offers us grace mm-hmm. But it's not offering us a shortcut to the kingdom. It's not like we're going to take an end run around the law. All bets are off. Right. There are no rules. No, there, it's still, there's, <laughs> there's still all of the, the rules that have ever been in place, that God ever put in place, not that the Pharisees put in place, but that God put right. in place, has not changed because God hasn't changed. His word endures forever. And I, I love our memory verse for the week was First uh, Peter, or if you're Presbyterian, 1 Peter, um, <laughs> Uh, 125, where he's quoting the Old Testament and, and, and he says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And that is the word that was preached to you. And I, I, don't, I don't like the NIV rendering of that portion as much as some of the other ones because that, that um, verb in the Greek for preached is the euangelizo uh, or it's the verb of euangelion uh, for evangel, the uh, good news, the gospel. And it inherently means preaching good news. It's not just preaching and proclaiming. That can be a lot of different things. It can be a condemnation. Right. But it's a good news preaching. So what I think uh, the New Living Translation perhaps is, is the one that renders it this way. There are a couple of them. ESV is similar, um, which is interesting because the, the ESV tends to is a more literal translation than the NIV. But in this particular case, they translate more thought than mm. than just the word. And so it really comes out, the word of the Lord endures forever. And that word is the good news that brings life that was preached to you. So it's God's eternal word. The Old Testament was part of the gospel, moving toward that. And like we've talked about before, not only does it endure forever, but it doesn't change based on where we are in history, it, it doesn't, whatever. Right. So a couple of the other ones, the the... ESV, NLT, a couple other ones uh, render it remains. And, and one of the reasons we chose to stick with the NIV for our memorizing is we wanted to keep that word endures in there. That it, 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 it doesn't just remain. It does, but it remains actively. It remains mm-hmm. under no matter dealing what with, else persevering on, through, right. overcoming. Whatever you're going through, God's word is bigger. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a, just a, an English feel, uh, English vibe or connotation in, in our rendering of the word. But anyway, as, as we see it, a couple of the points that, that we brought out was that the gospel doesn't make it easier to be right with God. It makes it possible. It, it's not a shortcut. It allows us in Christ to fulfill the law that we could not fulfill. So because Christ fulfills it for us. The thing that ter- should terrify you. Absolutely. <laughs> he fulfills it for us. Now, if we are in him, there's no longer any need to be terrified. That is how perfect love giving Christ for us, drives out fear, which is justly deserved. So the fear of God is overcome by the love of God for us in Christ. Therefore, we can become his children. And as his children, there's still a holy, reverent fear Mm -hmm. in recognizing, Mm -hmm. I don't want to make daddy mad because he is still daddy. But he's my daddy. And I love him and he loves me and he wants to bless me. And so all the things that come into my life, no matter how bad, how ugly, how hard, all of these things are from him for my good and his glory. I don't know how, I don't get it, but I trust him. That's how it drives out fear. So now if I recognize that this 
Christ's fulfillment is what makes it possible, then I can begin to wrap my mind around the fact that God has certain things that he values and prioritizes. He hasn't changed. And the example of divorce kind of pictures that. God has always valued marriage. He still values marriage. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. God's priorities and values and agenda for marriage remains unchanged. Our society can change all the time. doesn't matter. God's values remain unchanged. And his word is greater than any personal experience. And we see in that parable of the rich man and Lazarus that uh, one of the big points toward the end of that is that uh, this, this rich man says, well, just you know, send Lazarus back to, tell, to warn my family so they don't end up in hell like me, mm-hmm. or in Hades specifically. But, um, and <laughs> as Jesus is telling this parable, Father Abraham says to him, look, they have the scriptures. Mm-hmm. If they're not going to listen to the scriptures... It doesn't matter if somebody comes back from the dead, which Jesus will do, and they won't listen to him either. Right. So, and they're still not. <laughs> it's it's not a matter of evidence as much as it's a matter of authority. Mm-hmm. When when we see the scriptures, and we don't like the scriptures, so we choose not to accept the scriptures, right. then it doesn't matter if you send an angel from heaven. It's not going to make any difference. Someone's going to explain it away. Yeah, absolutely. And so those are, are pretty big things. And, and, you know, throughout this, the emphasis that Jesus made, and I, I clearly have talked way too much because I see we're way over time, but um, I guess the thought that I would like to, to leave this with is that God's mercy never diminishes his glory. And, and that's kind of at the root of this idea that his word endures forever, his character, his nature is unchanging. He's the same God now that he was when he created the universe. And he's the same God that he will be when he recreates the universe. And that glory of who he is is not brought down by his mercy. His mercy had to be in Christ so that he could maintain that holy standard of who he is. God lives in his perfections. So that was necessary so that he could remain who he is and still be the holy and just God. And yet his love and mercy for us caused him to be our justifier so that he took that on himself for us, fulfilled the law, paid the penalty for our sin, removed it from us, that burden from us in that way, not undoing the law, but undoing its curse on us when we're in him. If we're outside of Christ, if we're not in him, then we're still stuck trying to earn our way to God, which is never going to work. Simple. Not complicated at all. Not complicated, but huge. But huge, yes. Huge, some would say. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, We'll be back on Friday with a preview for next week. So we won't talk about that now, which I was just (laughs) about to do. All right, thanks for listening. (laughs)